please pray with me. God of grace, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. It has been yet another difficult and painful week in the world this week. We have been particularly impacted by the shooting in San Bernardino, and yet we know that this is only one of the acts of violence that this week has held. It goes on and on. Our first scripture reading for this morning and this week's verse of our Advent candle lighting hymn both offer the hope that we might live without fear, serve without fear, have a place without fear. I don't know about you, but for me, our world is feeling like a pretty frightening place these days. It is difficult to trust the claim that God is able to provide any way to live without fear in this world. And if I think I feel afraid, think about how many other people have so much more reason to fear. My attention this fall and this week has particularly focused on Syrian refugees, but even hearing our announcements this morning, I remember again those in situations of domestic violence, those who do not have a roof over their heads. So many people have more reason than I to be afraid. There is a page on Facebook called Humans of New York. If you are on Facebook and you are not following Humans of New York, you are really missing out. The page was created by one man, Brandon, who lives in New York City. He began photographing ordinary people all around the city. Then he began, began asking them questions, and now people often share significant personal stories. Brandon then traveled across the world, sharing photos and stories of people everywhere. Just now, Brandon has returned from a trip to Jordan and Turkey. He interviewed 12 Syrian families that have been cleared for resettlement in America. Families who have just reached the finish line of a multi-year screening process. Here are some of the stories Brandon tells of Syrian immigrants in either Jordan or Turkey who are preparing to come to America. This story of, an immigrant, of a Syrian immigrant family preparing to come to America is told by the grandfather. He says, I had to leave the home that I'd spent 30 years building. One day, I just had to close the doors, turn the key, and leave everything behind. I'm 72. No one wants to leave home at my age. But I left because I have six sons, and I knew one day the soldiers would come for them. My sons weren't political. They wanted nothing to do with killing, but that didn't matter. Good people and bad people were all being treated the same way. 
I watched soldiers take away the neighbor's boys with my own eyes. They were good boys. I'd known them their whole lives. But they were led away like sheep. They didn't even speak up because if they opened their mouths, they'd be shot. I knew it was only a matter of time before they came to our house. We left everything behind, but now my family is safe, so I am happy. Then his wife picks up the story. I was an only child, but I had 11 children. I built a whole family. Every Friday, I'd cook for them at my house. I'd spend the whole day in my kitchen, and all the grandchildren would come over, and the house would be filled with noise. The word family is a painful word for me now. The war scattered my children all over the world. They are in Syria, Lebanon, Germany, and Jordan. I love all my children, but this one here is my soul. He's always taken care of me. He even raised his children to take care of me. His daughters are always asking if I need anything, just like their father. Tomorrow, he's leaving for a place called Memphis, Tennessee. I don't know what I will do without him. I hope they will let me come to Memphis, too. Can you tell us anything about Memphis? Are there nice people there? I heard that it is a city of music. I love music. I pray that this family will be welcomed by many, many nice people in Memphis. Another Syrian immigrant family preparing to come to America is a family of husband and wife and two sons. The boys look like maybe they're eight and ten, I'm not sure. This story is told by one of the boys, I think the younger brother. He says, I want to be a professor that examines the bones of dinosaurs because I like dinosaurs a lot. I also want to have a dinosaur, but I know that's impossible. I love to go to Google and type nice dinosaur movies, but that uses a lot of the phone, so I don't get to do that too much. One day, I'm going to open a museum full of dinosaur bones. I'm not sure where I'll find the bones, probably America and France. <laughs> Look at this invention we made. We've made a lot of inventions. You can make really good things out of stuff you don't need. We made an alien out of a speaker that we found in the trash. And then we made a person out of milk cartons. And we turned our trash can into a dinosaur because I love dinosaurs. When I was in second grade, our school got attacked by a bomb. It was a barrel full of explosions. We were just opening our books to start the class. And it's hard to describe the sound but it was like a building coming apart. I ran to the other class to find my brother, and he was crying because of the sound. Our bus left, so we didn't know what to do. But my brother is so smart, he ran to the market and called our grandma. From here, their father picks up the story. I was at home when the telephone rang. It was my mother. She told me that there had been a bomb at the boys' school. 
I immediately tried to call the school, but nobody answered. Then I tried to call the bus driver, but he didn't answer either. I imagined the worst. The roads were closed, so I couldn't get to the school. All I could do was pace around the house. Finally, the bus driver answered the phone and said that everyone was alive. The bomb had landed on the playground and only destroyed one wall of the school. After several hours, the roads were reopened and they came back home. When I hugged them, it felt like the whole world was in my hands. One of the sons finishes their story. We are going to a place called Clearwater, Florida. I don't know a lot about it. I saw Florida on the television, and it looks like it's close to the sea and has a lot of plants. My dad says the people are friendly, and there are a lot of friendly kids there. I really hope that we can have a small farm and a horse when we get there, because my grandmother really loves animals. I'd like it to be a square farm, with lots of flowers and rabbits. I also hope there is a good tree in Florida, because I'd like to build a tree house where we can have some adventures. I pray for this family that Clearwater, Florida, will have a lot of friendly kids there, that the people are friendly. And I pray to hear stories like this of refugees who will be welcomed in Davis. I wish I could tell you all the stories that have been posted on this Facebook page, and there are still more to come in these coming days. So check it out. And if you're not on Facebook, get your children or grandchildren to show you these stories. I often feel afraid of how dangerous this world can be, but I also think of the people who have so much more reason to be afraid, more reason than I. Our world is a mess. I wish someone could save us from ourselves. Our scriptures today talk about being saved, about a savior, about salvation. This idea is one of the many ideas in Christian theology that have multiple interpretations, and some are more helpful than others. One traditional understanding of salvation is that it be means being saved from going to hell or saved for heaven. But I myself don't believe God sends people to hell. I don't believe there is a place called hell as a destination after this life. And I'm willing to bet that most, although I know not all, but probably most of you don't believe in a literal otherworldly hell either. So that interpretation of being saved is not helpful to me. What then might salvation mean to us? I think we humans are failing to get ourselves out of the mess we are in, the mess our world is in. I think we need God's help. Looking at all the ways the Bible talks about the need to be saved, it often talks about being saved from our enemies or saved from those who hate us. In some eras, the enemy was Babylon. In others, it was the Roman Empire. The enemy changed, but the danger and the need for safety were present in almost every era. Today, we know 
that the enemy is not any nation, certainly not any ethnic group. Humanity is bound or oppressed not by a nation or a ruling power, but by today's enemies, violence and hate and greed. I believe it is God's will to set us free from this bondage, this oppression. I believe this is what salvation means, to be set free from these forces that bind and oppress us. We hear in this season that God sends one who will guide our feet into the way of peace. That's a line from today's gospel. God's salvation is the vision for who we are called to be, people who walk in the way of peace, people who live and serve without fear, people who prepare the way of the Lord. And how do we do this? We follow in the path laid out by the prophets from old, beating swords into plowshares, setting free those who are held captive by the deadly forces of hate and fear. We work together with God for the salvation of all people, to save all people from fear and hate. For the sake of our Muslim neighbors, for the sake of refugees and all immigrants, for the sake of those without homes, for the sake of those fleeing domestic violence, for the sake of the very fabric of our nation and our world, may each one of us find the little piece of this work that we are called to, because the world needs us desperately. Amen.